Guys is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. We are back again, gentlemen. We did it 24 times. We figured we'd do it once more. This is Book Guys, and I am Paul Alve, sometimes known as... Paul the Book Guy! I, uh, joined this week by... Greg Ott! How you doing, Greg? Oh. Hello, Greg. Hello, Greg. The stinger stung him. The stinger stung yeah. him. <laughs> and also joined by... Chris Jager! This is episode 25. This is episode 25. Holy smokes. Yeah. And depending, two bits. Yeah. <laughs> two bits. <coughs> well, I'm sure Greg is suffering from uh, Skype-itis. He may return any moment. And I oh. am Sir Jimmy. Sir Jimmy. We need Sir a stinger for you. Jimmy. Sir you go, Jimmy. Jimmy. Thank you. <laughs> How are you guys doing? That's I'm right. doing well. Thank you for asking. Hey, there's Greg. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I had to cough. I muted myself, and then I forgot to unmute myself. <laughs> hey, everybody. I was so happy with the stinger, too. I was, I was so <laughs> happy. I was thanking everybody, and it didn't go out anywhere. There you go. We Glad can feel the love. Yeah. So uh, what's new, gentlemen? Uh, lots of book news this week we'll tackle later in the show. Uh, but uh, what's new on the nightstands and the Kindles and the... Zoom, zoom, zooms. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Sir Jimmy, anything new happening on, on your side there? Any new hollow books being hollowed? Uh, well, actually, I'm uh, starting The Hunger Games. My, my wife has it. Uh, she has all the books. And uh, we're trying to take them out of iTunes, put them into my iTunes, and transfer them around. It'd become a big hassle with all the DRM issues. So she's going to throw it onto her little um, iPod Nano, the ones we got rep- I think I'm just gonna I think just about any, anyone who's uh, sharing a, a, an iPod account or an iTunes account with their wife is having issues. Uh, I know Greg has uh, uh, talked yeah. about that as well. Yeah, yeah, we have that issue as well. We it's haven't found a solution as, for it yet. Yeah, it's not as easy as it should be. Yeah, they they really need a solution for that. Uh, you know, an easy way to to say hi. I'm me. This is my wife. We'd like to share books and uh, but still have separate devices, and it just doesn't seem uh, that easy to do. Yeah, regretfully, you don't want to say something silly like, if they could only make it more like Windows. Right. <laughs> I gotta say, I've been- I don't want to, I don't want to go and say something silly like that, but, you know, they need something where, it's exactly like you said, Paul, they need to be able to say, I need to be able to say, this. these are my wife's books, please don't beam them directly to my iPod or my iPad. Right. Don't send, don't send my wife my email either. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm glad to hear someone's taking one for the team for these Hunger Books, Hunger Games books. Yeah, uh, they're they're just available, and I figure, hey, I, I got to start reading something. They're yeah. big, they're uh, you know topical. So I don't think uh, we were all sort of debating last week. I think who was going to uh, take up the torch, but good to hear you're doing it. You yep, know, and and you. I actually looked into that. I was I was reading up on them, and uh, you know what, the dystopic uh, future world. Uh, I've I've done enough post-apocalyptic, uh, dystopic yeah. <laughs> um, stuff myself, so I got to lay off that, that topic. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to stick with something a little bit different, uh, and I did this week. Fiction, fiction, fiction. Uh, I finished this one uh, actually a few weeks ago, but I know we've had all these different things going on. Uh, it's the the lies have it by uh, Jill Edmondson. The uh, the third in the uh, Sasha Jackson series, uh, 
Again, a short and sweet novel, uh, you know, a couple hundred pages. And I, I, I had to get away from these 900-page books that we've been reading here Our and there. Our favorite uh, sex worker slash detective. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, her detective uh, business is doing well now. And uh, she's no longer, you know, doing the phone sex job on the side. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, she does get a call early on in this novel. And uh, her friend basically calls her up and says, Hey, you know what? I, I got a bartend at the Pilot Tavern. No one wants to do this party. Do you mind... Uh, you know, uh, come and give me a hand, you know, as a bartender. And she's like, all right. Well, it turns out it's a BDSM S&M party. So there's uh, slaves and masters, whips and chains. If, if you guys remember, this was the book launch. Uh, I came back with the whip. <laughs> oh, yeah, I you're right. I with that thing. <laughs> we almost, I think we almost uh, hurt ourselves with it. It's still hanging at the shop somewhere. Um, so so after after this party, Sasha Jackson, Toronto's uh, you know sexy detective, she she's there as a bartender. Uh, the guy who runs the party, the guy who runs this S and M group, uh, he's found shot to death. You know, dun dun dun. You know, and that becomes a who did it. Now, um, Sasha is usually uh, you know uh, tasked to her her detective duties. Usually, is finding a missing person or you know uh, you know where's my dog. <laughs> you know, she's not exactly called on. You know, she's not Sherlock Holmes. They don't call her when there's a murder. But uh, the owner of the pilot high of the pilot tavern in Toronto hires her to look into the circumstances around this this murder because uh, he doesn't want any bad press for the bar. So he wants her to kind of dig a little bit. And, uh, you know, see if they can clear the bar's name, right? So that kind of makes sense as far as the story goes, you know. Uh, no, no one's actually hired Sasha to, you know, find out who the murderer is, right? Uh, as always, fun, fun murder mystery. Uh, again, Toronto is, uh, almost becomes a character in the story. Uh, the city, again, we go from place to place, uh, see different sites, different night spots, uh, you know, she talks about Kensington Market and the St. Lawrence Market and a little bit of history thrown in of those places. So uh, a lot of fun for someone from Toronto or someone interested in learning a little bit about Toronto. Uh, I can almost see a spinoff in the future where, where Jill does like a, you know, Sasha Jackson's uh, tour of Toronto, you know, <laughs> coffee table book or something. Uh, lots tell, of whips and chains. The, uh, tell us about the other characters in the, in the novel. We got Sasha Jackson, obviously, but we got more uh, memorable uh, people. Uh, yeah, we, we, we do, and, and I don't want to give any, any too much of it away, but uh, yeah, the, especially some of the characters you meet at the party uh, who, who uh, you know, uh, are dressed certain ways at the party and doing certain things, and then, you know, you, uh, you meet them in their day-to-day lives, and it's nothing like, you know, you know, they don't have a ball in their mouth <laughs> when they're working at the, you know, at the They're not the pretending store. to be a chair. <laughs> right. Holy smokes, am I going to get a primer in BSDM <laughs> if I read this book, Paul? Uh, you'll, you know, you'll get a little taste of, of the uh, the life, and uh, it, it is a lot of fun, Chris. I'd uh, say it, I'm a pretty vanilla guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, i got to say, it, it, uh, as much as I'm talking about it, it's got S&M and all this, it, it doesn't get down and dirty. I'm uh, sure it's all done in good humor. It's all done in good humor uh, with, with respect to the subject. Uh, you know, she does kind of treat the subject with respect because, you know, there are people who do this and good for them and they don't bother me. I don't bother them. And, uh, you know, she doesn't really make fun of it, but it is done in a fun way. Um, but still no, no nitty gritty. It doesn't get sexual. It's not that blue, you know, uh, right. but, and, and, uh, and you get enough of a taste of, of this, uh, uh, of this life that, uh, you know, it makes for an interesting novel. Um, and there's one thing the her boyfriend, Derek from uh, previous novels, uh, he appears here and there in, in the book. He's out, uh, he's, he's a lawyer, so he's, he's on a case and it almost seems like she threw, you know, cause this was the first one she wrote. She did tell us when, when we talked to her on the show, 
Uh, it almost seems like, you know, she had to go back and, and insert Derek, right, into this uh, now what's become the third book. So he just kind of, he phones in his his part, right? He's like, I can't make it next week. Uh, I'm still busy with this case, you know, that kind of thing. And she's a little lovey-dovey with him. And I kind of liked it when Sasha was the, uh, you know, the single independent. <laughs> I think she has to dump this this person <laughs> in the future novel. You got to bring her back to being that single, you know, out on the town lady. This whole being so, tied down is not working for Sasha, I don't think. <laughs> so, Paul, is this the type of uh, novel? Do you have to read the first two to get into the third one? No, or absolutely you- not. You know, it, it'll help if, if you do, but uh, no, not, you can pick it up uh, right off the bat and, and just uh, enjoy it. It's a, it's a fun read. Uh, dip into the chocolate box that is uh, Sasha Jackson. Uh, do we have any news on um, her uh, television deal? No, yeah. no, no news yet. But you know, the more and more of these uh, the novels that I read, I, I've read the third one now. Um, I can really see this being a, a weekly series. You know, I, I can see her, uh, Sasha doing a case once a week. And uh, we are going to have Jill Edmondson back on soon. She was a hoot to talk to. So she was. Does Jill have the chops to come up with? Uh, I guess you get a, a staff of writers when you get a, a series. But uh... yeah, then I guess that 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 all depends. Yeah, when once you get signed. Um, once it becomes an actual uh, a show, uh, yeah, usually you'll get a staff of writers and uh, you know, the amount of control you get as far as the head writer, or if you, even if you are the head writer. Yeah, she uh, might not even be the head writer. Depends on the, uh, on the contract. But looking forward to more Jill, uh, Jill Edmondson's uh, Sasha Jackson series. Uh, lots of fun. <laughs> and... Hey guys, I'm uh, I'm actually something I wanted to bring up at the beginning of the show, but currently this is another one of those live shows where we're running concurrent with the Screen Actor Guild Awards. So it's kind of breaking news. Yeah, so I'm not really going to live blog it, but uh, closer to the end of the show, I'll bring you uh, some of the some of the winners as it pertains to uh, books and film and television. Um, these are awards that only go to actors, so that's really cool. And uh, usually these are the sort of the um, precursors to the Oscars. A lot of many, many, a high, very high percentage of the winners here go on to win the respective categories in, at the Oscars as well. That's also something I like to talk about at the end. So just to let you guys know uh, that's something that's coming up at the end of the show as well. Absolutely. All right. And uh, Chris, you've been a re- busy boy reading this week. I picked up um, a book that I've been meaning to get to for a long time. I actually listened to the book first. Believe it or not, the guy who hates audiobooks, this was a lecture that Margaret Atwood delivered for the CBC radio program called Ideas. So every year, CBC uh, commissions a a public thinker or a public author, uh, a public intellectual to do do a, a topic of their choice and they have to deliver five. They're, they're, they're seen as, as one lecture but they, they delivered on five nights and then the, the the show will broadcast so i mean there's been you know charles taylor and uh john ralston saul and all kinds of stuff you guys you've never heard of and then in 2008 they had margaret atwood uh i've i did uh, what oryx and crake not so long ago we're all well familiar with uh margaret atwood's work and she did a lecture on debt and her book uh, the lecture was called payback debt and the shadow side of wealth so i listened to the lectures i missed you know Two of them in the middle. I mean, they they go over five nights. Uh, they, she started in St. John's, Newfoundland, and then they flew to Vancouver, and then Winnipeg, and then uh, where else? Uh, Van, uh, Montreal. Um, so I got the book, read through the lectures. Absolutely fascinating stuff. She 
she claims the inspiration for the book came from uh, riding the downtown Toronto subways and noticing that all the ads on the subway suddenly changed to debt consolidation services. You know, get out of your bad debt, consolidate your debt. Uh, are you in debt? Second mortgage on your house. So then she thought, well, CBC has been hassling me to do a lecture on this thing and she did this, this lecture on debt. So the, the thing's broken out over five days. Uh, the first one is on the, the history of debt. And she, like, like I'm talking like ancient history, like right. primate sense of innate fairness. Uh, wow, she, like, that, that far back. Yeah, yeah. And then she compares like ancient lending systems of the Sumerians. I mean, I don't know. It sounds geeky, but I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Uh, and then the second night was uh, debt from a theological perspective. I mean, obviously, for the last millennium, right? I mean, we've sort of been governed by the, by the Roman Catholic Church, right? Um, and we're still, you know, underneath... It still figures largely right in Western culture. Think about it, you know. Uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I mean, right. this is a huge, huge concept in the imagination of, and I, you know, think about it because maybe because it's like so, so present, so pervasive, you know, credit cards, um, you know, your mortgage, you just, you don't think about it. She stopped and thought about it. So the third one was debt and literature. So, I mean, the two key figures, think about, you know, Scrooge, you know, a Christmas carol. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, redeems himself in the end by, you know, forgiving his debtors. Right. And then the other major one in history, you know, Dr. Faustus, right? I mean, he does the deal with the devil. So Scrooge redeems himself, you know, by forgiving his debtors. And Dr. Faustus, you know, uh, lives a happy life but ends up in hell thanks to his deal with the devil. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Like Margaret Atwood has this sense of humor that I just, I seem to, to get, I can deal with. Uh, so now, chapter four, she doesn't even stop here. What happens to unpaid debt? You know, think about it, you got unpaid debt to God. You end up in hell. <laughs> what do you have if you have unpaid debt to the mafia? You know, the guys with the violin cases come and see you, right? That's right. What about debt to financial institutions? Why do they get bailed out? You know, and then you got, you know, King Philip uh, of France uh, basically hunting down and slaughtering the Knights Templar so he doesn't have to pay back his debt to them. I don't know. Again, maybe I'm too geeky, but this was just fascinating reading to me. Uh, last chapter was ecological debt. Uh, she sort of does this retelling of the Scrooge tale, except instead of Scrooge being visited by uh, you know the ghost of Christmas past and you know present future, uh, Scrooge gets visited by the ghost of Earth Day, and she turns it into you know we're basically borrowing against our future on the Earth. So kind of the weakest chapter, I thought. You know, it gets a little bit you know too polemical, but man, she makes a good point. So, I think, yes, I think there's a good point. To, there's a good point to, to be made there. It, there's a lot of people who think that you know our lifestyles are just borrowing on our descendants. Absolutely, At, well, in so many ways. Like even you know our 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 retirement savings, right? I mean, we're 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 basing the the tax base on retirement savings of you know a bunch of uh, elderly people who are going to retire en masse, and then we've got don't have a tax base big enough to pay for them. Uh, we're we're borrowing oil. We're just spending oil, and you know we're not banking anything. So it was a it was a very enlightening read. Uh, it was a very fun read, and yeah, I'm, I I like Margaret Atwood's voice. I like her sense of humor. So it was a, it was good fun. So I also have to recommend out of this book, the the CBC Ideas podcast. I think this is just an absolutely fantastic podcast. Uh, they do basically um, a lecture on a topic, um, anything like historical, psychological. Just current research, medicine, and it's uh, you know once a day, 
And uh, is it daily? You said. Sorry, what was that, Paul? Uh, sorry, uh, did you say it was daily? Daily, yes. Wow. Yes, daily. Hmm. Basically, uh, it's it's like a like a first year, you know, college, you know, university level lecture a day on you know whatever topic they uh, they happen to want to talk about. The 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 the, the radio program's been running, I think, since since the sixties, but. Of course, in the in the age of podcasting, you can uh, you know easily you know get it off of iTunes, and you know pick and choose. Like one of the uh, one of the best, most memorable ones I read was uh, right around Halloween. You know they did something topical. Uh, they had some guy, some you know you know modern liberal uh, Western you know agnostic researcher do an honest to goodness investigation into a haunted house. It was compelling radio, compelling wow. podcast. What's the duration of these uh, these podcasts? Are they like an hour, half an hour? Hour long. Hour long. Wow. Yep. Always an hour. Yep. Is there a U.S. equivalent to the CBC? And, and do all our American and international uh, listeners know what the CBC is to Canada? The U.S. has uh, NPR, National Public Radio. And do they do the same? Like, because I would actually, I would actually watch and listen to CBC. It's not horrible. It's not always, you know. Um, dry commentary on, on day-to-day life. I mean, there are some very interesting things to be heard and seen there. Do other nations have that? Like, especially the United States, I'm looking at Sir Jimmy. Well, does the, does the CBC take uh, donations from the people that, that watch it and listen to it? Uh, no, C- CBC uh, t- does take advertising. It is, it is government-funded, but they do government take advertising. Funded. Partially government-funded, not- partially advertising. Right. But they're not funded. They don't have like uh, shows twice a year and interrupt it and have fake telephones in the background and celebrities <laughs> taking donations no. from people. Okay. No. No, that would be NPR. So, so, no, we don't have anything like that. Closest thing would be C SPAN. Does, does NPR have hockey? <laughs> <laughs> NPR Rarely. is like CBC without hockey. <laughs> what would CBC be without Saturday Night Hockey? It wouldn't be anything, to be totally honest. <laughs> it would be nowhere. Uh, these are, thumbs up for the CBC here today, folks. <laughs> I'm a big fan of CBC Radio. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, get a lot of. And lately, like I say, you know, I mean, radio has been, I've been switching to podcasting, right? I mean, all these yeah. the shows that I used to listen to on CBC, I am now pulling in on uh, on podcasting on uh, on iTunes. As far, as far as weekly programs, uh, Canadian-made, uh, I, I'd say that CTV is coming out with better, uh, better content lately. As oh, absolutely. But I mean, but CBC is not horrible for a public channel. It's it's certainly it has to be. There's a lot of Canadian content. You've got that. You know. Can I pump another podcast right here? Go right ahead. Absolutely. Okay, I I have to beg you guys to listen to a podcast. It's called The Debaters. Have you ever come across this before? The debaters. No, they have, have two not. comedians, two Canadian comedians debate a topic, and it can be something ridiculous. Like, is it better to be Canadian or better to be Australian? Or cake versus pie, which is legendary. <laughs> okay. So there's a, usually an there's the, it's and it's an honest to goodness debate. So there's an opening salvo, right? Each each contestant gets to state their part, and then there's a uh, like a combative section where they get to you know sort of attack each other, uh, but they're comedians. Keep in mind. Right, so it's constant jokes, and there's a little question and answer session, like usually, like some sort of facts about whatever the topic happens to be, like you know, when were pancakes invented or something like that. And the the debaters can answer with fact or funny, and of course, you know, the these comedians are always going for a punchline. And then right. there's a summation, and then at the end, the audience gets to vote for which 
comedian won the debate and they do it by applause decibel level. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 it's on on Saturdays on, you know, on CBC radio and it's on at, uh, and I catch it every week. It's just, it's some of the funniest comedy, uh, on the radio that I've heard in a long, long time. Nice. The debaters. I will, I will give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. You can find it at cbc.ca forward slash the debaters. Yes. <laughs> there you go. And I, you know what? Let's move on. I have a, uh, a freebie for everybody this week. Fiction. 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 And we were actually talking about this one a bit last week. I brought it up. I, I let Mr. Jim know. Jim can make it today. He's nowhere near internet, he said. So I don't Lucky know. Lucky him. Where's nowhere near internet? It's got to be a nice place. Uh, it's uh, Jack Wakes Up by uh, Seth Hardwood. Uh, this is one of the uh, free patio books that uh, I was talking about. Uh, this is the first in the Jack Palms novel series. And uh, Jack Palms, uh, let me tell you about his character first. He's an interesting character. Uh, he's the anti-hero. You know, he's the, the pro- protagonist is the anti-hero. He, he, this guy used to be an actor, right? And uh, he had one Hollywood hit called Shake Him Down. So everyone he meets like, hey, aren't you Jack Palms? Hey, shake him down, shake him down. You know, so apparently like that was like a big line in the movie, right? The one movie he was a hit in. So this poor guy, every time, you know, anyone, you know, they come up to him, you know, for an autograph. It's shake him down, shake him down. Did you guys watch Entourage? No. <laughs> Johnny Drama. It only had a hit Johnny for one Drama. series. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's same, same sort of idea. Jack Palms only had the one, the one thing. Uh, and, and his wife at the time when he was the big, big time actor, uh, she had a bit of a cocaine and substance abuse problem, uh, involving, well, she had, it was cocaine and H and I don't even know, did Seth Harwood make this up? Is that such, is there such a drug? Anyways. Oh, are we talking about heroin? <laughs> oh, that, yeah, you know, that, that might be the euphemism for heroin. Yeah, probably. Okay. So she drags him into this drug life, um, so the, the novel takes place years after, and uh, Jack is off the drugs. He's clean. He, I mean, he, he won't even have a cup of coffee with caffeine in it, uh, and he's ready to make a living. So, of course, you know, he cleans up, and he, you know, he's going to get a, a you know, regular job. So, of course, he gets a job being the muscle for a mob-connected friend of his. <laughs> so his, name, uh, his friend's name is Ralph. So all he has to do is accompany Ralph uh, and meet some out-of-town guests from, uh, you know, some Czech guys from uh, the, the drug dealers. And all he has to do is, you know, accompany them to the local strip bar and make sure they all have a good time and make sure the deal goes over well. And then pretty much everything falls apart. And basically the plot at that point becomes Jack versus the world. And this, this poor guy, he just, you can't get a break. Right. Um, so you got, you got him, the, the anti-hero, and you got a lot of uh, people that, that uh, go along with him. Uh, oh, there's one guy, I think it's Johnny Buddha. There's some great names in this, in this thing. Uh, so uh, Seth Harwood reads the whole story himself too. Uh, does a great job. Uh, he does all the voices for all the different characters, and believe me, there are characters. You got uh, all types of different drug dealers, and you know, you know, it's a good anti-hero when you're when you're reading the book or listening to the book, and and you're rooting this guy on, hoping him, you know, hoping he'll get that drug deal completed on time. <laughs> you know, so but he's still a nice guy, just not doing nice things. Uh, Seth reads all those voices very, very well. And the only, uh, like maybe little hiccup in the whole thing, uh, is that there are points where the author kind of hiccups on a word or, you know, bumbles a little, little tiny thing, but it's just enough to be distracting, to take you out of the story for that, you know, little you know, couple seconds. 
Uh, other than that, just well done. There's some uh, music in there, original music that is part of the podcast, uh, sound effects. Uh, tire book is free. Look for uh, Jack Wakes Up or uh, search for Patio Books or Seth Harwood on iTunes. And I do have a short clip here. And I'm going to play a little clip from the book and uh, we'll be right back. Jack Wakes Up, episode six. Then he who was without sin cast the first stone after you. Jack Wakes Up is a Seth Harwood, Jack Palms novel. More information at SethHarwood.com. This novel contains material that is best suited for adults. This is Jack Wakes Up, episode six. The guy walks around the last family and comes right up holding the ice cream out as if to offer it to Jack. You like vanilla, he says, because I got this for you. No thanks, Jack says. I'm trying to watch my weight. The guy brings his eyebrows together. It's a gift from us. He leans down and puts the cone right into Jack's hand, so that Jack has no choice but to take it. Then the guy stays there, leaning down over Jack, his face too close. That's good, he says, This is the last gift we give to you. Do you understand what I am saying? Jack nods. In his movie, he'd kick this guy in the balls, then mop him all over the pavement as onlookers cheered. But here, they're surrounded by friendly tourists. But here, in the real world, they're surrounded by friendly tourists who'd be horrified to witness a street fight in San Francisco on their sightseeing trip to a big city. Also, Jack's not sure about this guy, whether he's a real fighter or not. And he's not sure about himself for that matter. It's been a long time. As if he anticipates Jack's thought, the guy taps Jack's sneaker and pushes it off the knee so that both of Jack's feet are on the ground. I'm just saying this to you, the guy says. Okay, I hear you. That's good, because you're lucky to get this word and not something else. Who are you? The guy shakes his head. No, he says simply. No, this is the wrong question. Jack doesn't know what to do next. What would be a good character move? Do you know who killed Ralph? The guy squints his eyes and moves still closer, to where his face is right in front of Jack's. What pisses Jack off the most is when the guy says, Go back to your Hollywood, you stupid pretty American. And Jack headbutts him in the face, right across the bridge of his nose, a move that surprises them both equally. The guy groans, stumbles back with both of his hands on his face. He juts his nose out over the ground, as far from his legs and his white suit as he can, and Jack can see blood dripping through his fingers. Wow, Jack says, shocked at what he's done. As a kid, he did things like this sometimes, even in L.A., but his actions haven't taken control of him in a long time. He gets up and drops the ice cream into a garbage can next to the bench. In the movie, this is the part where he kicks the guy in the stomach, gives him a pretty good beating, but here he can already see that this guy's not used to fights. Everyone he runs into probably gives him what he wants, without many conflicts. You fuck, the guy says. I'll kill you. And Jack sees red, thinking about Ralph in the tub, the time in Sausalito and rehab, the bad press and his dreams of being a full-blown movie star moving away from him. He moves in on the guy fast, punches him once in the side, then, as the guy's doubled over, almost backing into an unsuspecting group of tourists, Jack grabs him, holds the guy in place, breathing hard, feeling the air come in and out of his chest. The tourists walk a wide circle around them, 
a woman says, Oh my God, what's happening here? My friend just has a bloody nose, Jack says. This happens to him all the time. Someone else says, Oh, that's awful. Yeah, you get a little taste of the novel there. and uh, Maybe we, got another, we got another plot line to add to our uh, half dozen total plot lines in the world all time ever. And that's uh, everything goes wrong. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We should, we, you know, we should make up that list and add a few of I'm our own. I'm keeping track. I'm definitely you keeping should, track. You, you should put it up there. To town, you should put it up. <laughs> I, I actually just, uh, I'm going to talk about it next week, but I just read Flat Screen by Adam Wilson, and it's a the ultimate slacker novel, and you can add another plot line to that list, uh, Chris. Oh, save it for next week. Don't, don't blow it now. <laughs> okay, all right. Will do. And, you know, uh, actually, uh, Mr. Jim Phillips uh, did interview Seth Harwood uh, this week. Uh, although Jim is not here, he's with us in spirit, and uh, uh, we're going to be going to our mid-show break. And when we come back, uh, I'll play the interview that uh, Jim did with Seth, and then we'll uh, go into some book news. So I know that Greg's got a bunch, I got a bunch, lots of book news this week. And we'll be right back. Hey, what's the matter for you? You like it the zombies? You like it the mobsters? Then you're definitely gonna like it, a zombie mob. It's a got everything. Zombies, mobsters, zombies. It's a got a family, and especially it's a got the zombies. So put in your iTunes to the zombie mob. Order your browser to thezombiemob.blogspot.com. The zombie mob. It's an offer you cannot refuse. Uh, so joining me is uh, Mr. Seth Harwood. Seth is the author of uh, the A Long Way from Disney collection of short stories, as well as the Jack Palms crime novels, uh, along with uh, Young Julius, Young Junius, sorry, uh, and his most recent novel, In Broad Daylight. Uh, Seth, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, you are, of course, probably most famous, if I can use that, certainly you know, where I've <laughs> First discovered you as one of the the patio books originals, if you will, with the first Jack Palms novel. Yeah, I mean that was exciting and continues to be exciting. I've just recently released on my site. You know, it's been a long time coming, but I've just released um, the print version of the second and third Jack Palms novels, um, and those are both out as eBooks now. And I'm I'm in the process of basically putting the print version on sale. Which I did a kick. I did a Kickstarter campaign earlier in the year to sell some copies of it, and now I'm in the process of putting it on sale on my site. So you know, by the time this gets up, with any luck, I'll have copies of This Is Life for sale on my site in print, which which I think came out really well. And you're self-publishing them? Yeah, this round is the first time that I'm self-publishing. I've always gone with publishers before, big and small, and had my share of problems. And finally, I decided to just see what I could do myself. What was it that drove you to podcast uh, Jack Wakes Up and to give it away for free in that in that audio format, rather than you know just leaving it with a traditional publisher and saying that's good enough? Well, I was really having trouble finding an agent and getting it out there, and I was re- I was getting frustrated with the process of just packing envelopes with manuscripts and and cover letters and um you know i had done a ton of that with short stories sending them out to literary journals and i had had success 
I had gotten probably about 12 out of the 15 stories in my collection published in literary journals. And, you know, everything I had always heard was that once you could do something like that, agents would be interested in you. So I was having a hard time getting agents. It was a really frustrating process. And I realized I just wanted to get the book out there in a way that people could engage with it and interact with it. Um, read. I didn't even really think of listening until I found out about podcasting. And from there, you know, I had, I had been a big fan of listening to books on CD that I would get from the library, uh, in my car commute. And so when I found out that I could do this myself and that people were looking for these books to listen to, I really jumped at the opportunity to get the book out there on the web. So in a way that people could, could start to listen to it. Part of it was because I really wanted to, find a way to build a platform and get the book out. And part of it was a way to sort of give myself a way to start writing something new. I felt like if I, if Jack wakes up was getting rejected by agents, it meant that there was a problem with the book and I couldn't keep editing it anymore. I was sort of, I just, just was ready to be done with it. And so I wanted a way to get it out there and sort of get it off my chest so that I could start working on something new. And, you know, podcasting wound up being a great way to do that because I started interacting with the fans. They were excited about it. They responded really well to the book. And then, you know, that got me writing the next Jack Palms book. So was your, was, was podcasting it then instrumental in some ways in you being able to eventually publish it? To be able to, oh, point definitely. And say, you know, here, look, there's a, there's a legion of fans out here, <laughs> you know, who would love to buy this book. Yeah, you know, it's found money. All you have to do is put it on paper, and you know the money will. Start yeah, it was. In. It was funny. I said that. I basically that became my cover letter to agents, and none of them responded. And then you know there was a small publisher, Breakneck Books, that was run by a guy, Jeremy Robinson, who really knew what we were doing in the podcast world. He was friends with Sigler, and he had seen what we were capable of, so he wanted to bring it out. And in two thousand eight. Breakneck Books brought out Jake, Jack Wakes Up. On the first day it came out, we hit number 45 on Amazon in, in books, was above James Patterson. And basically, when that happened, that's when agents started to believe what I had been telling them. And the next morning, I had an agent basically emailing me for that found money that you just mentioned. <laughs> hey, you know, I haven't responded to your emails or read this book that I requested to see in full, but you did something good. Can I get on track with you now? <laughs> and, and the funny thing was that I had I had told him exactly what I was going to do in an email a few months before that, and he had never even read the email. Nice. <laughs> nice. So basically, that was my introduction to my first agent, uh, and it wound up being sort of a similar ride. I now have a second agent who I who I'm a lot more comfortable with. But yeah, I mean, basically that guy was able to sell the book to Random House based on what I had done, and then we turned it around. It came out a year later, and you know things went from there. So you've been doing this for quite a few years now with all the Jack Palms novels, uh, and then Young Junius, and then uh, most recently uh, your first uh, Jess Harding novel in broad daylight. Um, yeah. Have have things changed? Is it getting easier to get these works into a traditional publisher, or are, are they still as reticent as they were five years ago, four or five years ago? Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't 
probably 10 years ago or 15 years ago, publishers were giving first book authors like a two book deal or maybe even a three book deal off the bat to see what they could do with a couple of books. And now, and when Jack Wakes Up came out, it was much more like, here's a one book deal. See what you can do with that. This is your shot. And we have really high expectations. Um, so yeah, publishing is pretty, is still really hard to get into. You know, I've made a lot of connections this way and I've been able to find agents and publishers. The publisher who brought out Young Junius was really excited to work with me because of all that I had done. And so I really wanted to do that project with an independent to try that out. But, um, yeah, publishing is definitely still a hard nut to crack. I feel like the number of books that, that they're publishing has gone down and the number of risks that they're able to take on writers that aren't sort of a bankable commodity uh, have gone down as well. I mean, you know, the economy's in tough shape. And if you look at the movie industry and, and think about, you know, how, how they're really trying to do big blockbusters and ones that they know have a star and will make money, the book business is going a little bit in that direction as well. Now, you'd mentioned earlier that uh, <clears throat> with This Is Life coming out, uh, that you're actually self-publishing this one. Uh, why yeah. Did, why did you decide to do that? Um. You know, I guess I was tired of waiting. I didn't want to wait around anymore to, to sort of work through this and that. And the fans wanted the book. You know, at the same time, I was, I was, I probably, it's hard to remember now, but I think I podcasted This Is Life and Checkmate, you know, back in like 2008, 2009. So, so this has been sort of on my bookshelf for a while, ready to go. And because nothing has happened with it with publishers, uh, I really wanted to get it out there to the fans. And so I put it out. The fans responded really well and quickly on Kickstarter. My goal was to make $4,000, and I reached that goal in the first 24 hours. Then after that, we wound up getting to $7,000. Um, but, you know, I still think – I am I still – you know, that was in September, and I still haven't really been able to get the book fully on sale yet. I'm getting really close and I'm excited about that. I guess one of the things that I've learned from self-publishing is that there is a reason that publishing takes a lot of time, especially for an author who's trying to do other things like write new material, teach classes and, you know, put the books together, get everything through copy editing, production, layout, book design, all of those things. You know, it can really take a long time. Sure. Do you expect to see a difference in, in sales from uh, your traditionally published work versus self-publishing This Is Life? Yeah, so much of publishing is changing. I mean, when Random House brought out Jack Wakes Up, they got it into bookstores. And, and looking back on it, that was a really big gamble to publish, you know, 8,000 copies of a book and try to get them into Barnes & Noble and Borders and Amazon. And Borders isn't even there anymore. And and so, you know, publishing is really changing. And so the amount of bookstores that you can get into now is smaller. The amount of books that make sense to print are, are smaller. And the funny thing is, looking back on it and looking at Breakneck Books, which was a print-on-demand publishing house, you know, in some ways that was the best model. We're at a place now where the print-on-demand really makes sense in terms of getting the book out there with sort of a minimal capital investment. And as sales continue to go online... Um, you know, there's definitely nothing wrong with print on demand and it continues to make more and more sense. In addition to that, you've got the ebook markets now where, 
as an author, I can make as much on a two ninety nine on an ebook that I sell for two ninety nine as I was making on the Breakneck Books version of Jack Wakes Up that came out for fourteen ninety nine. So to ask my fans to buy something online, you know, it's a lot easier to ask them to buy something that's two ninety nine than fifteen bucks. And if I can get the same money either way, the ebook revolution is really helpful to me as a as a self publisher. So what's Thanks. what can we look forward to next? Obviously you uh, have uh, yeah. Uh, this is life coming out soon, we hope. What's what's on the heels? Yeah, this is life is coming out. I'm looking to bring out In Broad Daylight as an ebook and um as a print book. Uh m- just recently I've rewritten the ending of Triad Deathmatch, uh which was a Jack Palm story that takes place in the in San Francisco. Um, I had podcasted that a while ago and never really liked the ending that much, so I rewrote it in preparation of bringing that out in print, which should happen in the next couple of months. And, um, you know, the next thing that I podcast is either going to be an old story that takes place in Boston with the help of some other listeners who are helping me record that, or the next Jack Palms book, which will be Jack Takes Off, which is Jack in the road trip that he takes with the checks after Jack Wakes Up wraps up. So in between Jack Wakes Up and Jack Palms 2, there's a road trip that a lot of the listeners have been asking to find out what happens on. And I've started writing that, but I'm also working on a number of other projects involving Jack Palms and Jess Harding. So right now there's a lot cooking, and great things will be happening soon at SethHarwood.com. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely look forward to that. Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah, there's going to be more good stuff on the way. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Seth. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me on. And there you go. That was uh, an interview with Seth Harwood by uh, Jim Phillips. With the author's age-old problem, how do you get your stuff out there? Yeah, exactly. And and, uh, apparently he's doing very well with this uh, patio books thing. Seems like a good plan he's got. He's got some people out there. Uh, I believe we are about this time. Oh, Mr. Greg, do you want to start off there? Do you want to talk about audiobooks.com? Oh, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So this week in Canada, audiobooks.com was released. And, and, and the United States. A, sorry? Sorry, and the United States. Okay. I thought it was only in Canada. I thought this was one of our only coups. Ah, sorry. Well, good for the States. All right, so audiobooks.com was released. It's a uh, cloud-based multi-OS book, book, uh, audiobook service. So very similar to other audiobook services that may be friends of the podcast i i would uh, have to beg to differ but, but this one is cloud-based very different no, no applications platform multi-platform yeah. no no applications it all runs off the web um right. i've been looking at this today and i am actually i'll do it live right now uh, i'm gonna go over to a preview of the audiobook and i'm clicking the button now time so as you can see there's there's no lag greg between uh, starting, you clicking start book and, and going. I mean, I think the 
I like I like the fact of Audible that you can uh, keep the books and you can revisit them and listen to them again. And right. you know, uh, if if Audible goes the way of the Dodo Bird, you still have those books. And uh, you know, usually what companies like that will do is is unlock the DRM and let you have them, right? But uh, audiobooks.com for someone like me that goes through a book a week or or more, like uh, having right. access to these things uh, unlimited. <laughs> For $25? I mean, uh, if, if you're going to store right now and buying audiobooks on, on CD, th- this pretty much kills that, I think. Yeah. This is going to be just one more nail. I, I, something I wanted to bring up that has happened recently in my uh, municipality, two of the local uh, book-on-tape locations went out of business. Actually, the only two that I knew of uh, went out of business in the past month. Uh, now they're going to continue their their sales online, but I don't know what what type of chance they have against some of these other massive services like what's, Amazon. What's the catalog and, like here? Do we have a Netflix problem here? Where uh, we're looking at ten thousand, uh, they they claim that they're bestsellers, top new releases, and some classic favorites. And I was actually browsing. There are quite a few things there that I'd I'd want to read. Hmm. Do we have the big ones? Do we have the king? Do we have the the you know? The we have Collins. Yes, yeah. I was I was taking. I'm, I'm actually going to sign up this afternoon, uh, this evening, uh, and uh, take a look. Yeah, you got quite quite a bit of king. I, I wouldn't say that that's all there, but then uh, there's 55 uh, kings there. So that's a good uh, sign right there. Eleven twenty two sixty three. You got. Uh, I was just going to ask you. Yeah. yeah I was just going to ask you if they had new releases as yeah. well, or if they under things, the dome, or if Audible had like first crack at things or something. Paul, like that. can you search one for me, Elmore Leonard? Yep. Uh, we are searching live, consulting the book of lot of knowledge here. This is uh, exciting. Elmore Leonard, they have Comfort to the Enemy and other Carl Webster stories. And that's about it. Mm. Uh, let me take a look if I click on his name. Yeah, just the one result for him. So you you'd have to you can browse the catalog without signing up. So you can go to audiobooks.com right, right, right. and you know, take a look and see if uh, there's enough stuff there. Uh, you get a seven-day free trial there. So. I'm, I'm feeling the itch for another Elmore Leonard novel. We're talking about this with uh, Jimmy last week. That's my uh, my comfort food stuff. What I read for uh, for sheer pleasure, Elmore Leonard. And uh, Greg, you're talking about the books on tape, and we know uh, we know Bob Hobbs, right? We'll call him Uncle Bob, and uh, he's he's one that recently uh, got an iPod, and he's you know in his sixties. And he's making yeah. the conversion from, you know, putting CDs into his car, and now he's carrying around his little iPod. Right. And big Bob's carrying around a little iPod. Yes. Yeah, Big Bob carrying a little <laughs> he used iPod. He to go to the library and get all of his things. It was actually quite funny. Well, not funny, but I mean, it's, you know, kind of a throwback to Quaint. the way that... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, he couldn't l- listen to his book unless he was in his car. Right. Or sitting at his desk in, in his home. Like now he can listen to it anywhere, you know, while he's, you know, mowing the lawn. <laughs> Just how you can do that. You have to have your volume at like excruciatingly ear splitting levels to hear it over a lawnmower. <laughs> right. <laughs> or really good earbuds. Or really good earbuds. Or one of those push mowers. So that's, uh, that's something to check those out. Those are coming back. They're coming Sorry. back huge. I agree. Yeah, so I'll, we'll, we'll check that out, look at more into it, but uh, it looks like an interesting service. Uh, and I was just saying last week when I was talking to Mark Coker from uh, Smashwords that, yes, uh, Audible is dominating the market, uh, but you know what? You sit on your laurels too long in a monopoly and, uh, so, you know, nothing's stopping someone from uh, starting up a you know competitor. And it looks like 
uh, not, not a week later, there they are, the competitor, and they've got an interesting uh, uh, innovation with the, uh, the cloud streaming. Let's see how uh, Audible responds to this. The cloud streaming would have been the only thing that I, I could see in the Audible experience that is, uh, let's say, a chink in the armor. It's the only thing that you could probably yeah. improve upon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than that, I don't. I have no complaints about the Audible experience. No, well, no, and they have a, they have a much bigger selection at this point. I mean, by maybe maybe I'm the only person on the face of planet who might have just a little complaint, and I, it comes with a, a, a smart warning. Make use sure your credits. To read your books. <laughs> right. Use your credits. Yeah, don't let your credits accumulate. You can only accumulate twelve, no matter how long you pay. Right. That's it's just. My little word of advice, my fault, but yeah, you have to use your your Audible credits uh, or they do expire. Um, I've got some other news here. Uh, I don't know if have you guys noticed on Twitter that uh, Amazon links now come up really fancy. <laughs> Someone, if you post a link to Amazon now, it, you can expand the tweet uh, and it'll show the uh, the album art or the, or the the book cover. Or the album art, depending if it's a song or a book. Uh, it'll show the author information. It'll even show you the top three reviews for that book. For any uh, um, Amazon. It looks like a, a sort of a partnership between uh, Twitter and Amazon going on. But it is, uh, it's functional. Okay. Good that's times. cool. Do we, do we like promotion like this? Is it, is it fair that Amazon's able to put their products ahead of other people's in the Twitter stream? Uh, not, ne- not necessarily putting uh, ahead of other people. People are already posting the Amazon links. And, uh, you know, Twitter's just sprucing them up, making them look cool. So putting them out there more prominently. Uh, you do have to expand it. It's, it's kind of got like a little arrow where you can expand the tweet down and then it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll swish down and uh, it'll show you the, the album art and stuff. But it, it, it's handy. And uh, you know, Twitter can do whatever they want with Twitter. Such as the free market, they can do whatever they want. That's right. I've got one more. Uh, Apparently, erotic ebook sales are soaring. (laughs) I heard this too. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) This is according to the CBC. Uh, Sales have soared for erotic literature uh, with the advent of e-readers. Uh, Basically, now that people don't have to walk around with you know their book in a paper bag. Something like up like 100% in like 2009. I think I heard yep. this too. It's huge because of the digital reader. You, you can be on the subway uh, reading some risque stuff. Getting uh, the rocks off. No one's going to see Fabio on the cover, you know, or the whips and chains. <laughs> so apparently it's reduced. Uh, uh, not only has the, uh, the digital format reduced the barriers to entry for publishers, the small, uh, a lot of these erotic publishers were small publishers, not affiliated with the big guys. Uh, but uh, again, yeah, the, the, the whole being able to uh, enjoy your guilty pleasure in public without anyone knowing is... Uh, Do I smell another dare helping. coming on here? <laughs> no, no, I'm still waiting for you guys to read the romance. Did you read one? <laughs> I did, I did. Sweet Tea and Secrets by Nancy Nagel. Romance. She said it counted. <laughs> I don't know if that one counted. I think we got a lot of books on film and television to get through in about five minutes, so why don't we just... Books on film and television. There okay, you go, Mr. Greg. <laughs> I, you, you said five minutes? Yeah, something like that. Okay, such pressure. All right, so six of the nine best... The uh, Oscar nominations came out this week. Six of the nine best picture nominations for this week, this year's Academy Awards... Uh, were based on books. 
Uh, Hugo was number got the most Oscar nominations with eleven, followed by Moneyball, The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and The Help. And let's just follow that up with uh, a quick. So far from this evening's Screen Actors Guild Awards show, uh, The Help is pretty much cleaning up in any category that it has been in against any other books. Uh, taking the uh, award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor, uh, Best Ensemble, and Best Actress. So there you go. So it's already racked up three, and those awards are currently going on. Another really interesting fact from this year's Oscar nominations, going back, is that this year, um, of the... Where, where, did I, where I wrote this down... I don't want to get the statistic wrong. There are 20, 21 nominations for films based on kids' books. Huge. So uh, that includes uh, The Adventures of Tintin, uh, War Horse, and... Uh, was War Horse? Yeah, it started off as a kids' book, right? Yeah, that was, it was originally intended to be a kids' book. So A little um, bit graphic as far as the movie can, is concerned, but a uh, nice story. Good, good, good film. It did not get a Warhorse did not get a best director nomination, whereas Scorsese did get one for um, do, 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 what's he nominated Hugo. for? Hugo, that's right. Hugo. Sorry. Well, I've, I've seen Hugo. It is it's definitely uh, well shot and well directed. So, yeah, I'd like to be able to go through all those, but let's just for the sake of time say go to paulthebookguy.com and uh, read the list there, or your local Oscar website that you prefer to go to it's up to you it's up to you um there's uh we like our 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 friend stephen king and apparently his novel carrie is looking to be done as a remake um kimberly price the director (laughs) of stop loss and boys don't cry is uh, looking to uh bring that back do you guys realize it's been almost 35 years that's a classic holy smokes yeah that's shocking so going from 35 years to much younger than that, Selena Gomez is uh, slated to produce and very likely star in a screen adaptation of The Sky is Everywhere by uh, Jandy Nelson. So for those of you who don't know, Selena Gomez was on uh, Wizards of Waverly Place. I know this because I have prepubescent daughters. I had no clue. Thank you for uh, enlightening me, Greg. Yeah. So she's she's uh, she's an up and coming star. She's uh, you know in her early teens, and uh, she's going to she's going to be going places. She also has a recording contract as well. She's uh, got a she's got a song on the radio right now. Something 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 something. Ah, the yes. information. <laughs> something something. Willie Nelson Marshmallow. Uh, <laughs> did you guys know that Stephanie Mayer wrote anything other than Twilight series? No. All right, so so she uh, she also wrote a book called The Host, and um, it's is this a dinner party or is this a possession book? A possession book, yeah. It's basically a world where aliens have taken over human bodies, and Diane Kruger is uh, set to join the cast of this science fiction film. Hmm. So it's basically, uh, it, to me, it reads like uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And folks, you can read, uh, and Greg's always posting this great uh, books on film and television stuff over at uh, bookguys.ca, and uh, you can just click on uh, books and then uh, select books on film and television, you'll find all those great stories there. 
Good stuff. We uh, we, we only have a, uh, about two minutes left, Greg. Uh, we got a bunch of people actually coming in on the Twitter with comments for us. Um, let's go do that. Let's do that. We got to get in uh, some of the uh, listener comments in. Uh, Femme Fatale, it's uh, at Femme with one, two, three M's, <laughs> Fatal. Uh, says, um, fatal. Uh, she she sent us a little quote from Stephen King. It says, uh, I try to create a sympathy for my characters, then turn the monsters loose. And indeed, Femme Fatale, that's exactly what Mr. King does. That's uh, what we like about him. <laughs> uh, Zach Mann uh, says, uh, Admit You Hate Yourself ebook by at MYN is very good. Okay, uh, we do look at that. I'll take take a look. Uh, Gary McLaren says uh, 74% of book buyers have never bought an ebook. And he sent us a link to that story. And we'll take a look at that next week as well. But That's a uh, huge percentage. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, it's climbing. An untapped market right there. Yeah. It's, uh, the, sorry, that number is going to get down, going down. Uh, numbers going more. down. Yeah, definitely going down as older people are uh, with easier to use devices, let's say, tablets that are, are more uh, friendly to non-techies. Yep. As it gets more seamless, as the process yes. becomes more seamless. Yes. Then. I, can, I can personally attest my mother bought her first uh, ebook series on her iPad right in front of me this past week. She bought the George R.R. R. Martin series. And, uh, you know, so that's and, one. Yeah, there you go. And Eni. Uh, it, uh, it just keeps going like that. Eni uh, at E-N-I underscore T-S-I-R-H-C says that the Think Geek list on your site uh, is the table of contents of what her heaven would look like. <laughs> she says she now loves that site. And we do oh. too. <laughs> we'll have to put it together in order very soon. I just want to say I had three or four for tonight, but they got vetoed. <laughs> we got veto. we, well, there, see? The, <laughs> for time. There's yeah. the veto. <laughs> well, folks, we'll bring you some uh, Think Geek items of the week next week. You can go to bookguys.ca slash thinkgeek. Uh, our time is up. Items of the week. My oh, name is Paul uh, Paul Alves. See you next week, folks, and uh, we'll catch you later. Good night, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us live, and we'll see you again next week. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. 